Really lovely to be. I mean, what an amazing event this is. Here we've got a we've got a microcosm of the whole of Triratna, haven't we? Right in this in this tent. Okay, there are what 200, 250 of us. I guess there's about a, another 100 for each of us, perhaps, uh, back in in our local situation. We're here gathered, experiencing in one place what Triratna is worldwide. There's no other place where that happens. Uh, there really is no other place. This event, once every two years, that's where it happens. And I'm really, really, really happy to be here, and, and I hope you are too. There's something called a FOMO. Uh, now, uh, it, for those who are not English speakers, it means fear of missing out. Uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. And you've probably experienced it right here on this event. I certainly have anyway. You know, what do you go to? Do you go to the classical concert? Do you meet with your friends? Do you go to the philosophy workshop? Do you go to yoga? Do you go to a meditation workshop? As my mother said, you can't do it all. <laughs> so you have to choose, and there's this fear of missing out. Well, I've, I've got a new one. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, Romo, regret of missing out. So regret of missing out. And uh, actually, mostly FOMO is unfounded. As we know, mostly in life, fear and anxiety is unfounded. But regret does happen sometimes. And my regret was I wasn't here yesterday morning at 10.30 to hear uh, Sangamani uh, give her talk, uh, which sounded amazing. It sounded, it sounded incredible. And what she was talking about, which Sadaloka told me about, is exactly what uh, helped me transform from a a banker to a Buddhist, to put it in uh, in simple terms, uh, was that the the, the challenge that the, the um, yeah the alchemy, uh, the transformative alchemy of that moment of bringing myself and my fears and my um, prejudices and my craving in direct uh, relationship with a stranger on the door uh, on a Karanar appeal, and somehow getting out of myself enough to really see them, so that there was a connection. And from that connection, and there was a trust. And from the trust, uh, sometimes there was a gift. I mean, actually, often there was a gift. Even if it wasn't money, there was a gift in that communication. So that's what I'm, I'm going to try and do now as well. I, I'm going to try and, um, in a way, create that crucible, to use that image, uh, right here. Well, it's already here. There's already a crucible. Because you've arrived in the tent. And you know there's something about international. If you know anything about Future Dharma, you know it's a charity that raises money for Dharma projects. There's a, there's a card on your cushion that looks kind of pretty, but then when you turn it over, you think, ah, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a donation card, it's a pledge card. And there's a pen too, uh, if you're lucky, there's a pen too. So, so there's already something happening here, which is you're wondering, okay, I think I know what's coming next. Is that happening? Yeah. yeah, right. And if any of you, I mean, as Sangamati suggested, I've been doing this for a long time, so you've probably even sat in a tent just like this, with me standing up, uh, speaking to you, and you, know, and you know what comes next. So I just want to say something about this situation, that it is, it is, it is a crucible. It's a crucible for me, by the way. Even though I've been doing this for years, I still get so nervous. And, and I'd, I'd like to suggest it could also be a crucible for you. I've recently used this phrase, the profound spiritual practice of being asked for money. Yeah, the profound spiritual practice of being asked for money. And, and most of us, most of the time, don't really want to engage in that. If we're walking down the street and there's one of those people who are fundraisers who want to sign you up for Oxfam, I don't know about you, we'll often uh, cross to the other side of the street. We don't want to be in that awkward, awkward situation of somebody presenting us with something that actually in our heart of hearts, not even our heart of hearts, quite close to the surface we know matters we know matters and we know we care about and yet we also know or fear or feel we can't do anything about that right now we just don't have the money we don't have the time we we just 
And we don't want to be in that situation. That's an awkward situation. And that's why um, I imagine what Sagavani was talking about was, um, was that, um, that tension that creates, and it's, it, it's probably there for you right now in your own mind, in your own heart, and it's, it's kind of there for me too. So that's the crucible. And if we can stay with that, as I think uh, Sangamani talked about yesterday, uh, there can be a transformation. And that, I want to be really clear, that doesn't necessarily mean uh, that you give. Yeah, just want to be really clear. It doesn't mean that you only transform if you give. There's a transformation if you can stay with that tension. With that tension basically between yes and no. Yeah, there's a yes. I imagine there's a yes for all of you. I mean, you're all here, you love the Dharma. There'll be a yes for all of you. There's a yes to Glacier, there'll be a yes to what Deepak says in a minute. Uh, but there'll also be a no. And uh, the, I think the practice, the profound spiritual practice of being asked for money is, is staying with that yes and no and then coming to a decision, not just turning away and saying, oh, later, or maybe later. And, and an honest no is fine. I really want to remind you of uh, Bante's teaching of true individuality. True individuality in, in opposition, if you like, or in contrast to being a group member, a member of the group. And this is a group, it's a very positive group, because most of us are not stream entrants, we're not true individuals. So of course we care what other people think about us, I care what you think about me, you care about what people think about you. But I don't think that's a good reason for giving, because we want other people to think well of us. It's a reason. Uh, but I think, no, we give because in our hearts we think, yes, despite the limitations of my finances, which we all have, of course, I want to give. Yeah, that, I want you to give from that, if you give. And if you don't, I, my request is that at least sort of that you, you find a way to, in a way, yeah, decide with the whole of you, you know, really considering both that, that yes and the no. Okay, that's something I've never done before. I've, I've done this many years, but I've never actually done that. I've never actually <laughs> spoken of this as a crucial situation, as a crucible. Uh, but I wanted to do that. This is a practice. This next 20, 30 minutes is, is, a, is a kind of practice for all of us. So what I'm going to do, the way this practice will go, is that um, firstly I'm going to uh, ask uh, Deepak to come and tell his story of transformation. Uh, his, tran his ongoing transformation from lead into gold. Uh, and uh, Glacier might also say something briefly as well. Then I'll talk a bit about a problem that we all face. Not, not just a problem I face, but that all of us face. And, and then actually after that we'll have a little uh, ritual uh, thing as well with, uh, with the mantra. So that's, that's, that's the next 20 or 30 minutes for you. Uh, you do have a choice, you don't have to uh, do that. But just, I mean, are you up for that? Yeah? There's lots of exits, you can leave any time you want, you know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, good, well, well let's, let's have a go. Okay, so first, yeah, I'm going to invite Deepak up to talk about his, his transformation. Deepak is 32. He's, he's just arrived, like Salvatore, who we heard from yesterday, he's just arrived for the Dharma Life course, uh, which, for those of you who don't know, is a five-month intensive training here at Adistana. He's been running for a few years. Uh, people living, uh, a community of young people, in this case young men, living, working, studying together for five months. It's a very, very powerful process, a very powerful alchemy. And so yeah, that, that's Deepak, he's just arrived, he's, he's uh, from India, uh, and um, well, I'll let, him, I'll let him tell you a bit more about himself. Thank you, Amal Vajna. So let me start. Um, my name is Deepak, and I was born and brought up in the uh, western part of India, in, a, in an untouchable community. Now, um, it so happens that uh, um, this audience here, this Sri Ratna audience, is so well informed 
that I don't think I need to tell them more about uh, what untouchability really means. In any case, I don't have the time to do it. <laughs> so I'll tell you a little bit uh, to begin with uh, what it's like to uh, really grow up as an untouchable boy in a village. Um, so my first memory goes uh, back to um, when I was very little and we were uh, four of us with my younger brother living with uh, my grandparents. We literally were homeless, so for a while we lived with uh, our grandparents and uh, it was, we lived in their kitchen. It was a mud house with no electricity or running water or anything of that sort that we have here, <laughs> like hot water. <laughs> um, and um, my, my father and mother, they work as a landless laborer in the farms and they saved some money, about $200. And we got our new house for the first time. Uh, it was all in a one deal. Uh, one corner we used for a bathroom, another for the kitchen, a bedroom and everything was just in one room. And uh, for toilet, we used to go out. So, so that was kind of a living condition that I grew up in. And uh, I remember as a child uh, going to school um, in Gujarat, it's, uh, the population of untouchable is 7%. So, um, and most of us live outside the village, not in the village. Uh, at some part of the villages, we are not even, even today, not allowed to enter. Um, so yeah, going to school, um, I was the only one. And um, I had to sit at the very back, at the very end of the class. And uh, there were other students from upper class communities, but uh, they wouldn't really befriend me or talk to me and will keep the distance. So it was really apparent that everything around me did remind me who I was in this hierarchy. Um, anyways, um, uh, growing up I used to also help my mom with many things. Uh, so I do go for grocery shopping in a local shop. And again, the shopkeeper would ask me um, to wait outside, not enter the shop, just at the gate, stay there and ask for what I need. Uh, so again, I was reminded like who I was. Um, um, and then again, when I was a few years down the line, when I was a teenager, I'd go with my mom to work in the fields. Uh, <clears throat> it was summer, it was hot, maybe hotter than this. Um, and uh, I was thirsty. And, um, so I asked a uh, landlady uh, for a water. But there was a glass, but she wouldn't offer me because, you know. Um, so she asked me to do like this, so she could pour the water. And um, yeah, I was so humiliated by that experience that I just ran away. And uh, I guess enough of this sad story. <laughs> Let me move on. Um, so a um, few years fast forwarding, I was in senior high school. I was living in a hostel that was run by Ambedkarite Youth Group. Um, that's where I first came across um, Dr. Ambedkar's writings, particularly small uh, biography. And in that biography, I came to know the influence that he had uh, through Buddhism and his thinking about Buddhism and his mass conversion. So I was um, very moved by it. And uh, I was very lucky to meet Migar, uh, one of our order members from Ahmedabad. So he was there in my village uh, one evening, uh, giving a small talk and leading a puja. That was literally the first introduction to, you could say, Arthur Ratna. And uh, I was very moved and inspired by what he has to say. I could resonate with him. Uh, so next day morning, I went to see him and I spoke to him and uh, expressed my interest. And he told me about Nagaluka, um, uh, our, our center uh, in Nagpur, 
where they have a 10-month course, like Dharma Life course, but for the very beginners, like young people, like I was 17 when I was uh, when I went there. So, and it was basic Tiratna teachings and practices, uh, a bit of social work, and uh, about Dr. Ambedkar. So, wow, coming to Nagaloka totally, really changed my life because um, Dr. Ambedkar really envisioned a society that was casteless, that practiced liberty, equality, and fraternity, not in those superficial terms, but in much depth. And um, I could really experience those things. Uh, for the first time, people really did not see me there as untouchable. They saw me just as human beings. So I was reclaiming my humanity. I was regaining the self-dignity, self-respect. And I experienced real metta and friendship. Some of the friends that I made there have stayed with me since then. There's Aswajit who was here. I was speaking to him this morning. There's Amogasiddhi here. Um, yes, we, we have been friends since then. And some of my friends, real friends that I made friendship with, are from there, from the Sangha. Um, I wasn't able to make any real human connection previously with people uh, outside the family. So yes, and I, I had this sense of liberation there. The potential that was hidden within me, uh, I was given the opportunity to flourish. Now you hear me speaking this you know, very fluently in English, uh, but when I came uh, to Nagaloka, Mokshidi knows, I hardly spoke Hindi, let alone English, and I haven't had this confidence to speak among such an international big gathering. And I never really uh, read a book. I, all I uh, learned from education was just literacy, reading and writing. But my interest in uh, learning grew from there. And the next two years I spent were the happiest and the most. It, it laid the foundation of my spiritual life. I, in the next two years, I literally, I was so inspired and moved by our, our movements, literature, that I listened at least to 500 talks in the next two years and uh, read at least 100 books and everything that I could find on Bhante, including 40 of his seminars. So, <laughs> so that was like a huge thing. Um, well, I'll fast forward again to a present day. I'm currently living at our retreat center in Bhaji, uh, near Mumbai. I'm working closely with the ordination team uh, there. I work in the kitchen, so if you come there, I'll make a nice breakfast for you. <laughs> And um, yeah, also housekeeping and um, like clear vision here. Um, Neha, my colleague, and I, we've been uh, for the past one year working on this YouTube channel, Tiratna India Media. We put together a uh, little over 200 videos so far in the last one year. And I'm also documenting the life stories of some senior order members. And uh, um, our work in India, uh, particularly with the ordination process, and the transformation of individual lives like mine is possible through the generosity of people here because I don't think we would be able to continue a lot of the work that we're doing without the support that we get from you. Um, yes, so I really want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for supporting us. Thank you. Thank you, Deepak. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's very moving, isn't it? Very, very moving to hear that. I don't know if you can bury more, but I'm going to ask uh, Glacia to come up. She, uh, some of you heard Glacia speak yesterday, maybe most of you heard Glacia speak yesterday. Um, she, as you heard, if you were here, just completed the Dharma Life course a few weeks ago. And of course, she's, she's, she's also come from very difficult circumstances, they being in Venezuela, 
uh, although Venezuela used to be quite a wealthy country, as, as you know, it's uh, really the economy in, in, has collapsed in the last, uh, I guess it's five or more years. Uh, so very, very difficult circumstances that she's come back from and, and sadly she has to go back to in just a, f a few days. We're going to do what we can to support her uh, in, that, in that return. But Glacer, uh, I might just say a few words to you. Yeah. Uh, I only wanted to say thank you very much to everybody for support and help uh, the growth of the Buddhism in Venezuela and also say thank you to Future Dharma Fund because it uh, gave me the opportunity to participate in the Dharma Life course. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, we, we've heard uh, two stories of, uh, uh, well, actually we've heard more, we've heard lots of stories of transformation um, over the last few days. Uh, I mean, you've all got your own stories as well. I mean, actually everyone in this tent has got our own, we've all got our own story about why we're here. We've all made, had our own, in a way, transformation from something pretty lead-like into something a little bit more glittering, a little bit more gold-like, um, uh, and that's why we're here. You know, Mogut City and Amrit City, these karate kids desperate for a, a Buddhist uh, movement that they could create, and then they found one. It just came to them. <laughs> came to them in, uh, in Nagpur through Padmavadra and Lokamitra. Um, and many among the stories besides, like Salvatore's, first reading The Taste of Freedom in Spanish, and uh, first of many books, it sounds like, that you read. I've seen you reading here in the, in the tent. You obviously love to read Dharma books and the transformation that's come in your life because of that. So we've all got our own, our own stories, uh, which, of course, was based on, on uh, help from others. Other people gave us the Dharma. Uh, even if we found the Dharma on the internet, it was because somebody else created that and uploaded it to the internet for our benefit. So people have given us the Dharma. But there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a problem. This is the problem I want to talk about. Here we are, we're 200, 250 people. As I said earlier, I, my, my, by my numbers, I think there's about 20,000, 25,000 people like us in the world. In other words, people for whom Chi Ratna, the Dharma, the Three Jewels, is really crucial, even a really important part of our life. It's, it's the centre of our life to varying degrees. Uh, and um, I think there's about 20, 25,000 of us in the world. So in a way, we're here like a little microcosm you could say one in a hundred. We're one in a hundred of those people around the world. And, um, and that's, that's pretty amazing. It's brilliant to be part of a movement of 25,000 really committed people. That doesn't include, by the way, all the people who've come on courses, who come on retreats, and they come for a while and then they go. Uh, their life has changed, and all the people whose lives they touch, they're changed too. I'm just talking about the real core that, that in a way, we're a sample of, you could say. But this is a world of seven billion people. So um, that's an awful lot of people uh, that are not only not in this tent, that are not um, in those Buddhist centres or on those retreats or meeting those Dhammacharis, those Dhammacharinis, those Dhammamitras. Uh, and that's, that's a huge problem. That's a bodhisattva-sized problem. That's a problem that we take on in a way when we engage in Turan and we say, beings are numberless and I vow to save them. And in our own way, we're all doing that. And you're all doing that by, uh, actually by being here, by practicing, but everything that you do in your centers, that you, uh, when you teach the Dharma, when you make the tea in the tea break, when you clean the center, um, whatever it is that you do, teaching uh, meditation in, your, in the prison nearby, whatever it is that you do, uh, you're, 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 you're helping some of those seven billion people to transform themselves and their lives. But actually, if we really want to uh, transform more of those 7 billion people, there's, there's a crucial alchemical ingredient, a crucial alchemical ingredient that is very, 
very necessary. You could say it's a kind of quicksilver, and that's giving you a bit of a hint, as if you needed one, of, of, of what I'm talking about. This alchemical transformation, it can't happen. It wouldn't have happened for you, actually, without this, this alchemical ingredient, this quicksilver. I better not mix my metaphors and say it's gold, but it's money. It's money, of course. That is the crucial alchemical ingredient. And actually, without it, none of this happens. The transformation that Glaser's experienced, that Deepak's experienced, uh, doesn't happen. This isn't an abstract thing. Um, I was in a meeting last week of the Future Dharma trustees. Yeah? So we have trustees for the Future Dharma Fund who, who meet, and they, uh, they say, OK, Amal Avadra, how much money have we raised? And I tell them, and they say, OK, so what can we afford to give to? Which projects can we afford to give to? And they have to make some really hard decisions. They're some of our real most senior order members, people who really know our movement well and know what's needed. And uh, I've got a lot of wisdom in that room. And uh, they have some hard decisions to make. So it's not an abstract thing. Um, that, 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 that quicksilver, that gold, <laughs> that money, uh, really, really does make a difference. Unless, um, unless I and my friends, some of you in this room, are able to raise that money, then actually we definitely won't be able to send order members, I'm afraid, to Merida, to Venezuela, to help them, uh, to, to help other people like Glacier to practice the Dharma in difficult conditions. We, we won't be able to um, offer bursaries for... Um, people to come on on these Dharma Life courses. There won't be Dharma books in Spanish uh, for people like Salvatore to read. In fact, there wouldn't be books at all because Winter's Publications uh, completely depends on, on, on people like you uh, giving through Future Dharma. Uh, actually, there won't be an ordination training process in India uh, helping people like Deepak to train for ordination. Uh, there wouldn't be... Uh, Amrit City actually wouldn't be able to do your work coordinating Buddhist centers, 64 Buddhist centres and groups around India. Uh, actually, none of those things um, are, uh, will happen unless, uh, actually, people like us uh, give. That really is the reality. Uh, that really is the reality. Unless people like us uh, give money, that won't happen. It doesn't mean just us. Let's say we're one of a hundred. Each one of you is one of a hundred. But I must say, this event is uh, our main fundraising event of the year. Yeah, This is it. This, you might think, oh, there's lots of other people giving. Actually, there isn't another time in this whole of this year when I get to talk to 200, 250 really enthusiastic people who've, <laughs> like you, who've just had a brilliant event meeting people like Deepak and Glacier. There isn't another occasion like that. There isn't. So, so yeah, I just wanted to sort of, lay, uh, sort of in a way, lay, lay the facts of that out. I suppose the obvious thing to say next is please give. Basically, if you can, please give. If you give, things will happen. Order members, uh, like yesterday, will be able to go and visit uh, uh, Venezuela next year. Uh, the ordination team will be able to do its work uh, to help people like TPAC. What I'm asking you to give particularly is to give every month. You'll have heard this before, and you're already giving every month, I'm sure, to your, your local centre, probably other charities too. But that, that is the, the, the very best way you can help, because we need to make an ongoing commitment to people like Amoga City and Amrit City, uh, not just give them a one-off grant, but actually uh, help them work every month. So yeah, a monthly gift. I'd like you to consider giving uh, maybe a bit more than you might think. Uh, a lot of charities say, oh, just give, just give a fiver a month, you won't notice it. It's just a coffee or two a month, you won't notice it. Hopefully you really are noticing the Dharma in your life. I imagine you are. So maybe given an amount you will notice, actually, because it'd be a real clear statement of this is what I value. What we do with our money says a lot about what we value. So yeah, if you can give £50 a month, give £50 a month. I earn £1,000 a month, so for me that would be 5% of my income. Um, so for me, yeah, it's quite a lot of money. But you might feel it's worth that stretch. You might earn much more than that, you probably do. So you might be able to give 100 or 200 or you might only be able to give 
Uh, you may only be able to give five or ten. Of course, that's going to make a difference. Of course it will. What I'd like to do is just sit quietly for a minute and actually just to give you time to make your decision on this. Yeah. Uh, and of course I'm open to the fact that will be no. For some of you, you're already giving. Actually, if I look around, I can see lots of people who I know are already giving to Future Dharma Fund. You might be able to stretch and give more, or you may not be able to give at all. And I do want to emphasise that I know all of you are giving already in lots of ways to the Sangha. I'm confident you are. You know, and I want to acknowledge that as well, even if you uh, aren't able or don't feel you're able to, to give financially. But if you, if you feel you can make that stretch, please do. Let's just sit, sit for a minute. You might want to close your eyes and just might say a couple of things, but just to, to think, okay, make it in a way to make a wholehearted decision as I, as, I, as I described at the very beginning. So connecting with your, yourself and your physical experience, with your heart center, and just noticing what kind of thoughts or images are in your, in your heart and your mind. Noticing whether you're getting a yes or a no, probably both. You might like to sit with one for a minute and then sit with the other and see if there's a resolution. Okay, so uh, maybe uh, coming out of your reflection, so what we're going to do now is um, Yeshdev is going to lead us in the Shakyamuni Mantra. And just like we've done else, else ta- other times during this event, you can come forward and, and offer to the, you know, uh, uh, come to the shrine and bow to the shrine. I want to be really clear, you, you, you don't have to be making a pledge <laughs> on one of these forms to come to the shrine. In fact, I hope everyone comes to the shrine. The pledge, in a way, is, uh, can be, well, what, what are you going to do to pass on the Dharma, as, as Prasadacharam was uh, exhorting us to do what, what are we going to continue to do because we're all doing something what do we continue to do what new might we do and it might be doing a Karanar appeal I would uh, I hardly need to add my recommendation to that it changed my life but what are you going to do to pass on Dhamma whatever you're giving you can in a way rededicate yourself at the shrine to that um, to that to that pledge um, with, a, with a candle I think I've I think I've said everything I wanted to say I, I uh, are you feeling the crucible are you feeling the, the challenge? I know I, know I am, but um, ho- hopefully that, that feels as though it's um, alive. You feel alive. You feel in that, in that, um, in that crucible, in that, in that um, moment of transformation. So when you're ready, Yeshleva, uh, uh, you could uh, lead us in the mantra of the great alchemist, the greatest of all alchemists, the Buddha Shakyamuni. Oh.